0: everyone and welcome to another episode of the Salt Lake 2002 retrospective podcast a back of house look at the planning and delivery of the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Winter and Paralympic Winter Games as told by the very people who organized them i'm Christian Napier and it is my genuine pleasure to introduce our next guest he truly is a larger than life personality and i know i'm not managing expectations very well but he is one of the funniest people that i've ever worked with Christian LaBarbara Christian, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing great, great. Christian, it's uh, exciting to
1: be here with you. I, I appreciate you uh, making sure that you set very high expectations for the uh, the next thirty minutes of our conversation. Getting a little bit nervous already.
0: Oh, don't don't be nervous at all. Don't be nervous. The nice thing about this is is I can edit. So if you're not funny, <laughs> I'll just cut that part out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lip sync something else in there. Nobody will ever know. Yeah, it's between us. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's been a long time since we spoke, well, technically not so long because we talked a couple of weeks ago to prepare for this. Not that we actually did much preparation, but uh, it was like six then, hours yeah <laughs> take fifty seven <laughs> but uh, before that, I man, it's been years and years and years. Um, so uh, tell me what you're up to these days. Tell us you know where are you working from, where are you living, and mm-hmm. what you're doing
1: yeah so so the family is is in minnetonka minnesota i i don't think i ever would have have said that um if you would have asked me even you know five years ago uh when we moved here but it's been a fantastic move um the the family's enjoying it we we have acclimated um kids are all in hockey and uh and so been a been a good move we we um i'm working for a medical device company and uh and uh You know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a good, uh, good opportunity, but, but, you know, Christian, as you know, have lived around the world have been, you know, had the opportunity been very fortunate with the opportunity to do a lot of different things. And so, uh, but right now, you know, still in the HR space, uh, medical device and, uh, and enjoying a whole lot of, of family time at this point in, uh, in, uh, the middle of, uh, of COVID-19.
0: I want to come back to family time in a minute, but because you're working for a medical device company, does that mean you're essential? So I do have the,
1: the coveted essential letter. That's a, that's a great point. And I, uh, and I carry it with me. Um, and to my wife's dismay, I will suddenly become essential at certain points and, uh, I'll leave the house. Um, the organization that I work for, uh, allows us to, to work from home, but there are times, um, that I do need to, to go into the office and, and, uh, and get certain things done. Um, plus two, we are continuing production at our, uh, at our different sites. And so that, that does require, you know, uh, a number of the population that, that works for the company to, to come into the office. So it's only appropriate that, uh, that, uh, that I do as well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do have one of those essential, uh, um, essential letters that allows me to, uh, to, uh,
0: to head into the office. My daughter also has an essential letter. She works at target. So she feels very <laughs> important.
1: <laughs> that's uh, that's what I feel like sometimes. So, and my, my wife, I think, uh, um, has probably, uh, met your daughter with a number of times that she's been to target. And at times my, my wife has left and I think she's actually driven to the Utah target to be able to get <laughs> things, um, in order to, to provide a little bit of space between, uh, her, uh, herself and, uh, and me and the kids.
0: Yeah. Is there some kind of Facebook group that's like, where's the toilet paper? Oh, <laughs> there's some toilet paper in Utah. Hurry. Yeah, exactly. That's a, That's a, that's a good point. We're starting to
1: see the return of toilet paper onto the shelves here locally. And, um, and, uh, but, uh, we, we, I'm not sure about your Costco, but now there's, uh, um, the, the mask requirement, um, at, uh, at Costco. So that's the, the next hurdle and the, the, you know, um, having to deal with that is is, you know, it's 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 a reality and we're
0: we're dealing with it. But it uh but yeah, it's gone from from toilet paper to now mass everywhere you go. Well I want to come back to the kids. So how are the kids doing sheltering in place?
1: I, I will I will give it to the kids for being the biggest troopers. Um I you know I I think that uh and, and no you know nothing uh negative towards the nurses and people that are that are doing outstanding work and and you know risking themselves. Um, I think that uh that this will be, you know, the the space shuttle explosion, this will be the nine eleven, this will be, you know, that that instance in their life and, and hopefully limited, but but in terms of, of negative instances. But I think this will be the thing that they look back on and say, Wow, do you remember? Um we had to do this and we missed out on this or we missed out on that, on a on, you know, kind of shifting it to a positive note and, and you know, joking aside, it, it has been great spending time with the kids, spending time with the the family and, uh, and, um, also being able to see that, uh, the, the teachers are not always truthful by saying that, uh, you know, kids are, your kids are a joy in class because they're not homeschooling. They
0: aren't always a joy in class. <laughs> oh, but, uh, you know, rose colored glasses, right? Hopefully you'll look back on this time and say, you know, that was a wonderful time we had with our children. Oh, it, it absolutely will be. And I think, uh,
1: I think, you know, we're, we're a very resilient people and I'm talking, you know, globally. And, uh, and I think, um, despite some of the the influences that are, that are happening around us or the fear that's being created, I, I think we will, we will overcome this just as, as we've overcome a lot of things. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, but we'll, we'll get through it. And, um, and I just think people need to, you know, kind of keep that on, uh, on top of mind and, and get over it. And I think too, you know, remembering that, that uh, you know, remembering the impact on the kids, not just making it about themselves. And and I try to do that, you know, that it's not just, oh, what a hassle I've got to put on a mask, go to Costco, whatever it might be. It's kind of like, you know what, my son who loves certain things hasn't been able to do them for two months and probably won't be able to do them for another two months. So I think it's, it's putting that into context.
0: Yeah. You know, that's really stressful for them because you're right. It is the first time they have been going through this kind of thing. And I remember having a conversation a couple of days ago with my Second son, um, not second in love, but second in age. Um, all <laughs> right, I gotta, so you're, you're, you're speaking to <laughs> I, good. Okay, I gotta I, be I, careful here, but yeah, he was really bummed out because you know all of his life's plans are turned upside down, and yeah. and I tried to console him by saying, well, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in the '70s, and we had the oil embargo, and we had double-digit inflation, and we were in the midst of the cold war and I didn't think we were going to live to 1985 because all the nukes were going to come out. Right. And then you said, we said we had September 11th and then we had the financial crisis of 2008 and we get through it. But sometimes I wonder, I'm telling him this, I don't necessarily think I'm taking my own advice. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I get all nervous about it myself, but I have to take my own advice and say, you know what? Yeah, everything's going to be fine.
1: That's, that's, I, I think you're spot on Christian. I mean, I, I really do. I think it's, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those where we we've got to demonstrate and I, I think, you know, one of the the reasons we've got children is to to help us, you know, kind of reset ourselves and say, OK, what is it? And try to look through their eyes in terms of the situation. So I, I think uh, I think your counsel is wise. Well, thank
0: you. I will pay you handsomely for that compliment later <laughs> on. Well, this isn't the COVID 2019 podcast. This is a Salt Lake 2002 podcast. So let's uh, hop in the time machine and go back in time. Excellent. We'll start from the very beginning or maybe before the beginning. Um, So Christian, what were you doing before you joined the Salt Lake Organizing Committee? And um, tell us about your journey to Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, I I was up in Park City. Um, I had uh, started my, uh, uh, basically a temporary labor staffing company up in park city and was, was doing that, um, had sold off a number of accounts and was, was finishing up school. Um, I, I, I paid my way through school. So, you know, I was one of those that would go a semester and then take a year off and work and then earn money and go back. And, and, um, I, uh, I think, you know, had, had established kind of a, a pretty decent reputation in terms of, of, you know, contractor management um, uh, working with a lot of the, the vendors and and property uh, management companies up there um, was approached by uh, an individual, Mark Thomas, who worked for just one of the standard staffing organizations, a search firm. And he had said, Hey, there's a role, contractor manager role at the Salt Lake organizing committee. And, um, and I remember, was talking to my wife at the time and was kind of like, you know, hey, I got a good thing going up here. Park City's a great place, you know, have good relationships, have kind of established myself, you know, should I really think about this and and uh went in, had great interviews, really, you know, felt a, a strong vibe there and uh and, you know, decided to to make the change. And and what I find interesting is that I I was so hesitant to take the role when they offered me the opportunity. And in hindsight, it was like, I, I, the the fact that it was even a decision, the fact that I didn't jump on it instantaneously, it it was just, you know, to me, it was kind of an eye opener, um, you know, because I think for, for, you know, I, I I know that you've talked to a lot of people and I would suspect that that they all, I'm guessing that they would all have the same commentary to say that it was a a life-changing experience, you know, in, in a very positive way. So to me, you know, that was the. The, the activities occurring beforehand and then, and then making that, that jump, uh, it, it was, you know, one of the best things that I I had done, you know, career wise, not only up to that point, but then, you know, subsequent to that.
0: So I want to come back to something that you just said a moment ago, you said that, uh, you had this decision to make, you approached your wife, asked her about it, but you never told us what she said. Did she say, yeah, I think you should do it. Or did she say, no, I don't think you should do it. And you said, well, screw it. I'm doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the, <laughs> well, you, you obviously also picked on its ex-wife. So the, 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 the debate, um, no, it, she, she was supportive. I, we, we had moved to Salt Lake, um, shortly before that. So from a logistics standpoint, not that that was a, a heavy factor in the decision, but it was, it was a factor nonetheless. Um, and and so we, we spoke about it, and we thought this would be a, a, a neat opportunity. I think too, Slack had done a good job of of selling the reality that it, it's a very unique thing on your resume. Um, and and I was still young enough at the time to not put two and two together to say the Salt Lake market isn't that big, and you're going to have ten thousand other people with a very unique thing on their resume. So it, it was one of those that that I I kind of you know took that into consideration and said. Hey, look, this is it really is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I, I should I should jump on it. She was supportive of it. it It reduced the 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 commute time, which was which was just a a small, nice added benefit. So she was in uh, in support of it.
0: So give us a sense of the timing. When was it that you made the move to the Salt Lake organizing committee? Early two thousand,
1: early two thousand. so i was I was with SLOT for almost exactly two years, I think a little over two years.
0: Yeah. And I joined just a couple of months after you, I think. Um, I remember,
1: I remember when you, uh, when you showed up uh, wide eyed and, you know, all carrying naive, in, carrying in your plant. You had long <laughs> hair. I remember that. Carrying in my plant. <laughs> yeah. Your
0: plant. I couldn't grow a plant if you paid me. <laughs> I think you had your lunch pail. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I I remember. No, I do remember. Joking aside, I do remember. That was uh I I was in the 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 building. I forget the the name of the building. Um I was in that building until um for probably you and I were in that building for, or at least I was in that building for about a year and a half before um Steve Clark got intimidated with how funny I was and moved me to the other building. And so so I had to to move over to I forget the name of that one as well, but that was where all of the temporary, uh, um, the volunteer recruiting and the temporary games to recruiting occurred. So my entire team was over there. So it made sense. I mean, joking aside, um, Steve always knew that I was much funnier than him. So it had nothing to do with the fact that he was intimidated by me, uh, me, uh, being funnier than he was on the floor.
0: Does that say more about you or Steve? <laughs> That's a good question. Ask Steve. <laughs> now I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some stories here, Christian. I know you've got some stored away there in your files. Uh, give us some 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 great stories. Maybe they could be inspiring stories, or maybe they're just hilarious stories. Some of your favorite experiences there, Salt Lake, two thousand two.
1: Oh, Christian. Um. So so I I think you know it, it was an amazing environment, and I and I think that uh, that you know what leadership did. To create that environment was was something special. You had a lot of, uh, I think you had a lot of experience with with you know the the core leadership. So you brought in, or they had brought in, a lot of expertise within the the, the functional leadership, and then brought in, identified very strong, um, I think, highly agile individuals into roles where if you were willing to take on more, they would give you more, and. Um, and I, and I credit, you know, the, 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 the leadership, um, including Steve and, in, in uh, in doing that. And so, you know, I, I would probably start off with that, but with all of the, the hard work and, and all of the, the, the team dynamics, there was also a lot of fun. I, I, you know, you and I had a, a good time. I mean, I, I know that, uh, um, you know, I want to be somewhat careful because it was a professional environment, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we, uh, you know, the, there was a a large atrium that um, that, and I don't know if you recall this this Christian, but there was a you know, with the, the atrium, I, you could stand up a, a couple of floors up, and the dynamic, the the you know, audio dynamic, you could hear and actually say things, and people at the desk would hear it as if you were standing right next to them. And I remember we would, every now and then, you know, after working, you know, straight, and then go out there and and mess around with the 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 security guard out there, someone would come in the door and we would, you know, make a comment like, you know, like watch this guy, and just kind of whisper <laughs> it loud enough, and 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 the security guard would kind of look around, and and so the things that were were relatively harmless. I know that, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of other 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 funny occurrences that, uh, that that transpired. We, I, I, one of the things that uh, that I still find funny, and I'm sure that the the, the director of the film didn't find this funny was we made. So, so as part of the, the group that, that I was responsible for, we had to identify. Uh, so essentially recruit all of the games time employees that were set to, to put on the games
0: and Christian, give us a sense of the scale. How many, how many people did you need for games time? Oh, it was in the thousands. Um, Right. Yeah, it was a big number, right? Yeah, it was it was a huge number. Um, yeah. So anyway, and, I'll let you get back to your story. I just want yeah. to people kind of have a sense of the scale yeah, was, of effort that you are undertaking. individuals.
1: Yeah, and and I think and I think that the the what we tried to do is we really tried to turn it into kind of a a a process, a big process flow. So we partnered with Department of Workforce Services. Um, we had we would process hundreds of people a night, and and we pulled in the function. But one of the things that we identified a, a need to do is have a video that showed all of the the respective work that someone could do, so what it would be to be a you know someone that was on the works team I think that was called w r c c s and that was snow shoveling and and trash removal, then what it was like to be event services, what it was like to be transportation and um and so we went out and we were filming this we we you know as as i'm sure people who are listening to this may be aware there was value in kind and so Value in kind essentially allowed for activities to occur from large entities that then would be paid for via this value in kind. So we had a a professional crew out and a director filming these different activities that that we would then show during the interview processes. So that way, people were aware, this is what I'm signing up for. This is what I'm going to be doing. And and I remember, you know, thinking that, uh, and and again, you know, good spirited, but thinking it it may be clever to... uh, to go through. And, uh, you know, as it was filming, um, intentionally slipped on some stairs with the snow and the director got mad about that and then asked him if I could have a, a cameo appearance, just being facetious. And, and he, he said, you know, it'd be best for, for you. I realized that, you know, you're responsible for games time employment, it'd probably be best if, you know, you, you left and just let us film. So, so that was, <laughs> that was one of those scenarios where I thought, you know, I'd be fun to have some of this in the background and, and he wasn't going to have anything up. it. I think, and I think he later, uh, later filmed Titanic maybe. So, he was, he was <laughs> so
0: James Cameron was making our- a <laughs> really
1: important individual, um, but, but no, I mean, it was, it was that kind of stuff that, 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 you know, we, we had a good time, but we also, there was a lot of work that had to be done. And, and I'd also give credit. I mean, the games time employment team, and I, and I think the entire group, but the games time employment team, I had a great team. I, I, I you know, we we had uh, a very good dynamic had a lot of intelligence um, you know and and so and then that extend like expanded onto hr it expanded onto all the different functional areas i mean we were it was it was a fantastic environment and and one that was unique
0: Well, the director may have put the kibosh on your budding acting career, but uh, <laughs> thank goodness he did. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, we had Rich Kennedy on, and oh, Rich, and and Rich told us a story of the Christmas video that they made, and you getting beaned by the snowball. <laughs> yeah.
1: That that is that yeah that was that was I mean, and, and I think you know you kind of have to be somewhat you know willing to make fun of yourself. We uh, we wanted to have uh, we wanted to have something to. To highlight the, it was for. It, I think it was you know HR was going to watch it and we were going to do a, a the the video and then um, you know I was I was walking around you know like I think it was looking at Christmas lights and and reflecting and it was you know it was supposed to be kind of like you know some some inspirational message and then someone I, I think my my staff probably argued about who was going to be the one to to dot me with a snowball so but then I got dotted with a snowball. So it was, it was, a it was a fun, uh, fun way to end the video. And the award goes to, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember who I, I, I'm sure that, that there's probably, I, I'm sure that Ryan Lee would, would have probably put money on that opportunity. Jessica Jones, she probably would have, I mean, there, there were a number of people, you know, um, that, uh, that I'm sure would have said, you know what, I want to dot Christian right in the back of the head with a snowball. <laughs>
0: well, I, I have to come back to the atrium yeah. You mentioned that earlier. You're right. It was open for multiple floors. Yeah. And not only sound could travel through that atrium, but smell could. I don't know if you remember the time when someone nuked tuna fish or something in the microwave oh, no. for like three minutes and uh-huh. it burned in there and it smelled up several floors. It was just like the most horrific smell. Do you remember that? I don't. I don't. Oh. That's It's
1: not surprising. I mean, in that in that atrium, I mean, there was, it was, yeah, that, that atrium was, it, that was a fun spot. I mean, I remember we would have, uh, you know, we would have the, the all employee, you know, uh, social type connection things that would occur in there. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was good. So, you know, add tuna fish to the list. <laughs> yeah. Security guard too. I'm sure he was like, what in the world's going on?
0: The list of prohibited items, right? No <laughs> firearms, yeah. Yeah. no tuna fish. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, well, what else you got? I have to say one of, one of my favorite memories, and this is going to sound really stupid is that we had this recurring joke, uh, with Jean-Luc Picard (laughs) and number one, and I don't remember what we would be talking about, but we would just say number one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, there was Dr. Scaramanga. I mean, here's the thing. And I, and I think it it was, it, it wasn't, you know, it was that, you had a dynamic there. And, and, you know, it's, it's been, you know, too many years, um, since, you know, we were, we were in that office, but I, I think, you know, having experienced things that brought in both the, the professional expertise, but also the group of individuals that understood the value of connecting in, in the right ways and having the right relationships to get things done. And, and I think that was the the power of, of the organizing committee and the environment that was fostered there, you know, by the likes of, of Ed Aynon and, 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 um, and Mitt Romney and, and others that, um, that that really ensured that, that this was going to be a successful games. And, and, you know, I've, I've been in a, involved in a number of games since then. And I would dare say, you know, with respect to an organizing committee, the most successful that I participated in, in, in terms of that dynamic and in terms of the, the constructive way of getting things done and the partnership and the collaboration. So, you know, it, it is, we had a lot of good times, but I think it, it, it that was a result of, you know, the, the, the positive environment um, that, that resulted from it. So I, yeah, number one, you're right.
0: You, you mentioned that positive environment and you're right. There was a real positive energy there. You could feel it. Um, and, and for me, it wasn't distracting, but for some, sometimes it would get so energetic that it could be distracting, but all the, although, although it was dynamic and it was exciting and it was positive. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything was easy. No, but by, you, by far, you worked really yeah, hard. Yeah. So tell us, you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced in the work that you did having to recruit and select and train and deliver this humongous games time temporary workforce? And what were some of the creative solutions that you found to meet those challenges?
1: Yeah, we um, so so just to, to level set, we were tasked with um, I, I came into the organization as the, you know, contract labor, or manager of contract labor. Um, And then I had written a white paper, analyzing what went wrong in Atlanta in terms of poaching, because there was a lot of poaching that occurred in Atlanta, Sydney, not as much because a lot of things were unionized. Um, But with with doing that, um, fortunately, or unfortunately, uh, Steve had said, Hey, look, we've got, you know, there's more stuff that needs to get done. Um, including recruiting the the games time workforce, which, you know, 4,000 individuals essentially. And, um, and it was phenomenal. I mean, it was great, even though we were somewhat hand tied, um, because there was a, a strong fear that we didn't want to, or the organizing committee, I should say, didn't want to advertise, um, the paid positions for fear that volunteers would jump to those paid positions which, you know, one can debate whether or not that's factual. Um, but, but we understood. We had, a, we had a window that we had to operate within. The, the, we really went out in force. We kind of identified what those groups were. We worked with the functional areas. Um, we had, you know, headcount reports. We, at the same time, too, worked closely with, with the, the sponsors because they became part of that, that broader Game's Time employment group. So that way we provided kind of a labor service, if you will. Um, we also had contractors that were engaged with us. So, for example, retail, um, and and really develop this this I, I think you know network of being able to provide that. The challenge we ran into though is that it, when it, when it comes to I would say eighty five percent of the roles that are games time specific, people that are looking for a, a certain type of work want that work within a short period of time, meaning if I'm looking for this role, I want it within two weeks time. Well, our recruitment activities were starting, you know, summer before the games. So we did a lot of work to, to, you know, get prepared, but the vast majority of the actual processing and interviewing was, was much closer to the game. So we, you know, we had college events. My, my team was going out. We were able to, to engage athletes that were, you know, going to college events, talking to people. We had our own collateral, we were really trying to plant the seeds, we were engaging with different groups that were, were out in, uh, you know, across the, the Wasatch Front. Um, it, it was, you know, it was considerable work, but it was all kind of planting seeds. Then it became what we transitioned to into kind of a just-in-time movement, where, where we literally partnered with Department of Workforce Services um, in the functional areas, we would have people, hundreds of people scheduled an evening, they would come in, we would process them, and the process was getting them familiar with what it is that we're recruiting for. Even though they they you know had applied, getting them familiar with what it was that they recruit they were you know uh, applying for, interviewing them, and then literally making real time contingent offers. From there, we would plug them into um, Darren's world and and um, Tom Shashovsky's world and Holly's world of you know everything from from background checks and credentialing to. To uniforming and training, um, and so it, 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 you know, it was a great process. But there was so much foundationally that had to be done to get us to that point. I, I can say that that I think, you know, we were successful. Part of that was because of the unfortunate situation with with you know the the market getting softer because of nine eleven. But I think also, and probably the majority of the reason was, you know, everyone really rallied around the Olympics and 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 so we had a, a lot of support, a lot of people were involved. And I think you know, candidly again, you know, going back to the teams that we had, we had really good teams. Um, I, I can't say enough about, you know, at the time Department of Workforce Services. Um, they were fantastic. They were a, a critical partner in, in getting all this process through. So that, you know, I think uh, you know, as a thumbnail sketch of of what it was that we did, some of the challenges we ran into. And you know I think for a lot of people, and, and again, having gone through games since then, a measure of success, in my opinion, is how busy you are or you aren't during games time. And and I think, you know, we 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 had a, a sound process in place. And so things ran smoothly during games time.
0: You mentioned that uh... You have worked games since the Salt Lake 2002 games. They were your first games. And you also mentioned that working Salt Lake changed your life. So tell us a little bit about Christian LaBarbera post-games. What did you go on to do? And how did your experience in Salt Lake impact you, not just in your games uh, projects since then, but also your other professional opportunities?
1: Yeah, it was was a um, life-changing event. you know, taught me a a number of things. You know, I, I hold Steve Clark in very high regard, great leader. Um, I think, uh, from the, the Salt Lake Olympics, uh, had connected with, with the event services individuals, you know, Richard Besmer and and Besmer and some of his team connected me with Mike loin, who was part of the same company which allowed me to, to or they, they you know, invited me to come over and, and consult for the Kraft family as they opened up the new stadium where the Pats played. So immediately following the Olympics on my end date, moved to, to rainy Boston um, and, uh, and it was raining at the time. And I remember, I remember vividly landing and it was like one of those like you know, 31 degrees. So it wasn't snow, it was really cold. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? You know, like it, it was just, it was one of those things. And, uh, but, but, you know, Mike Lloyd did a great job of, uh, acclimating me to, to Boston and then, you know, fell in love with Boston. Um, and, um, so moved there, uh, helped the, the Kraft family open up the, the new stadium. Um, had an opportunity to, to stay there, but, but, uh, um, at the same time, Contemporary International offered an opportunity to go to Athens, Greece. And, um, and, and so moved to, to Athens, um, and, and also, uh, you know, it it was, it was one of those where I wanted to have an international, you know, experience like that, um, personal situation allowed for it, moved to Athens where, where I oversaw HR for the, the spectator services functional area. So it was a plug and play, if you will, for the organizing committee in, in Athens, um, in athens too worked with with the team there on on it, meaning the contemporary international team there on how to establish um the the ability to to manage and be involved in um not just singular events but being able to have you know expertise that spread across different events so pan am and special olympics and and commonwealth games and things like that and prepare for future games because they. I think that there was a big focus on singular games, singular events, um, which then, you know, took me to, to, to Reno, Um, and, and obviously Christian, as you know, we had a lot of good memories, uh, um, you know, uh, across both Athens as, as well as, uh, as well as Torino, um, left contemporary international, wanted to get back to the States, um, loved what I was doing, but, but, you know, I had, uh, my son from my first marriage and even though um besmer and morabli and, and Loind were fantastic in terms of you know my agreement to fly back to visit him it was just wanted to have proximity um moved back went to work for a consumer packaged goods company um then was there for a little while went went into medical device um you know a few years later and uh what was nice was while i was in boston it, it medical device brought me back to boston which was great um but uh what was nice was that the the leadership of the medical device company I worked for at the time in Boston, um, Mike Lloyd approached me and said, Hey, do you want to come and, and do, you know, a, a quick gig in in uh, Great Britain for the the London Olympics. And, uh, and, you know, it, it had been years since I played in the space, probably eight years, I'm guessing. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, let me talk to, to my boss and, and I really appreciate that, uh, that my, um, my bosses at the at the uh the medical device company I was working for said, yeah absolutely go you know that'll be great. take a couple of weeks off, go there and uh and so a year before the london games uh went on went went over there and and had the opportunity to do a readiness report on uh on security and event services um or lack of readiness report and um and so so that was it was fantastic to to kind of dip my toe back in that and uh and really appreciate, you know, that, that opportunity. But, uh, but you know, it, it's one of those things too, though, that you also see how the games are evolving and and what people are doing and it's, and it's, it's energizing as well. It brought back a, a, a new energy because I came in kind of with like, okay, you know, have, have experienced this a few times, but you know, it was, it was nice to see, okay, they're, they're approaching things this way now and they're using technology in this way now. So that was, uh, that was a, a, you know, kind of a refresh reset opportunity for me. So went back and have stayed in, in medical device, uh, um, you know, from Boston, moved to Switzerland for a few years. And, uh, and then the company I worked for was acquired by a company in Minnesota, which, which brought us here. So it's been, uh, quite
0: the journey. Wow. Whereabouts in Switzerland?
1: I was in Zurich um, and uh, my role, though, was emerging markets. And and so it it was I mean, I was home in Zurich on the weekends, but was everywhere from Russia all the way down to South Africa during the week.
0: Holy cow. That's crazy. Well, two of my favorite games memories, regardless of games edition uh, with you are number one, eating at three pigs in Kifisia in (laughs) Athens. Best, best place ever. Best place ever. And you know what? It's not there anymore. I know. It's closed. I know. It was like, I, I went to Athens, uh, I don't know, two, three years ago. I think it was three years ago. Um, I took one of my sons and uh, I went there and found out it wasn't there. And I was just crushed. I'm did like, you, no. did you,
1: did you go to, because they moved. Not that, not that it matters now and not that we've got to, you know, do the, but, but they move, but they, they have closed, but they, they actually move location. Cause I remember when I was living in Zurich. I went there and, and, uh, and the, the building was, was, you know, ran at that point. And I was like, I was literally heartbroken. I found where they moved to, but unfortunately subsequent to that, they,
0: yeah, I did the same down. thing. I went there and then I couldn't, it wasn't there. And then I went to Google maps to try to figure out where it yeah. was and, and it was not there at all. You probably and saw like, my review.
1: <laughs> Best place ever. No. And, uh, did you, did you go back and visit, uh, Max at the, the, the creperie right near the train station.
0: I did not. Unfortunately, yeah. I did not, but I did go to Owaka and we walked nice. around the venues, nice. which were in a, a terrible state of disrepair, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah. was memory. Number one, memory. Number two is you and me driving from Lausanne to Torino. Yep. Yep. And, uh, listening to various tunes along the way, I discovered that you hated Radiohead except for the early I, stuff. I-
1: you and turn you turn me on to some Radiohead. Christian. I did. Well, the, yeah, I absolutely. know you
0: like the bends, you like the early stuff, but then yep. um, discovered your love for Steely Dan, uh, love particularly. Steely Dan. Uh, yes, so we listened to a lot of Steely Dan, particularly Deacon Blues. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm sure that uh, that me singing at the top of my lungs has left uh, a mark that you will not be able to remove.
0: Well, I can't really hear out of my left ear that well, but <laughs> yeah, uh... exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. Well, I, let's wrap this up here, Christian. Let's go to the assignments. Uh, assignment number one was for you to select a song, a song that, uh, when you hear it, it takes you back to Salt Lake 2002.
1: I think that the, the, for me, um, it, it's, it's, I'm probably torn on this one because I had the, the opportunity to go to the, the metals Plaza and hear Foo Fighters one of the evenings. And so I think learn to fly brings back a lot of memories. I think, uh, wish you were here by incubus is another one that you know whenever i hear either of those immediately the the mind goes back to to salt lake and to the you know the olympics
0: well i'm super happy to add both of those food fighters and incubus to our spotify playlist uh, for people that want to they can go to salt lake 2002 retrospective just search for that on spotify and you can see all of the songs that all of our guests have nominated now let's talk about the restaurants. Um, Christian, was there a particular restaurant that you liked to frequent when you were there in Salt Lake? There were a number of restaurants, um, and
1: uh, and I think once I moved to Boston, most of those closed because of the 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 loss of business that uh, my 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 uh, uh, that, that occurred when I left. But that being said, I think you know fine dining at the time was was Lisa's Pizza. Um, up by Hires. That was uh, that was a haunt. That uh, you know we would uh, normally it was kind of wherever we could walk to. So on a special occasion, we would go up to
0: Lietz's. Yeah, you hop in the car and you drive to Lietz's Pizza right next exactly. to the Hires. Uh, I I love Lietz's Pizza and I love Hires. I I especially yeah. love Hires. Um, <laughs> one of the all time great burgers, the 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 Country H. I have to say is one of my all time favorites. Okay, well we're going to add those to our list as well. And I'm sorry that all of those fine dining restaurants suffered when you left. They probably had a separate line item on their their (laughs) P&L, you know, revenue, Christian LaBarbara. Yeah, Um, exactly. And then that line item went away uh, when when you (laughs) departed. But their their loss is Boston's gain and now Minneapolis's gain, right? Indeed. Okay. Final item here, Christian, for today. As you look back at your entire tenure there in Salt Lake City, Uh, What's the one goosebump moment?
1: I, I, yeah, I, I, the opening ceremonies um, was incredible. Um, You know, it, it, uh, yeah, tears to the eyes. It it was, and and I think it, it, you know, it culminated so many things. It, It was, it was seeing all of what you had done, all of the work that you had put in the the realization of that work and i think it also was the acknowledgement that that anyone that was involved with this the amount of of effort and commitment required and and i'm not talking about you know slack employees i'm talking about everyone i'm talking athletes i'm talking about you know hourly workers i'm talking about volunteers i mean it it is such a commitment it is it requires so much effort and um and and seeing that all culminate into that and i and i think too the the reality you know i mentioned it previously with with 9-11 um that was i think that added a it it was a you know experience of galvanizing you know the the world community um it, it was emotional you know in terms of of this was so important and and showed solidarity if you will um after after what had occurred and um and so for me that was, you know, that, that was the, the, you know, the real goosebump moment. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, being able to, to share it with, with people from all over was, was such a special thing. And I've had, you know, a number of experiences at other opening ceremonies and closing ceremonies, but that one will always ring, you know, and and always be very special to me.
0: Well, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, rising from under that shadow, that nine 11 cast, um, Mm. that specter, uh, it lent it lent that ceremony's uh, gravitas, you know? Mm. Um, so it, it was a celebration, but it was more than that. It was a celebration and it was also kind of everybody just metaphorically planting their flag in the ground and saying, we're back, you know, we're here and we will go on. It was, it, it, I, I agree
1: with you. It was, it was something special. And, uh, And yeah, you know, uh, uh, a great
0: experience to to share it with people like you and and others. Well, Christian, this has been just a tremendous amount of fun to catch up with you after a very long time. If people who are listening want to reconnect with you on social media or other ways, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, probably. Well, I've been living in your basement for the past three years. So I think just, nah, um, just, just ring the front door, just ring the, the, the front door or find my wife at target. Um, no, the, <laughs> the uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, not as, as active uh, on, on Facebook as much with, with the occasional sarcastic post, but, uh, but LinkedIn is a great way and would love to reconnect with, 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 uh, with anyone and everyone.
0: All right, Christian. Again, thank you so much. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast again. uh, I can't I can't tell you how much it's been. It's been so fun for me to, to reconnect. Mr. Napier, it's
1: always a pleasure to see you, my friend.